Hey, if at least you're playing it, you can't be playing it wrong. Welcome to Playing It Wrong. Podcast about RPGs, fun, food, more RPGs. Grab your dice, sit back, and get ready to play it wrong. Oh, what is this? Episode Lucky 13. Yay! Or if you're keeping score on social media for me, that's day nine of Stuck at Home. Ah, no gaming. I haven't had really a chance because I'm working from home to actually, well, have extra time to actually game. Yay. And regular game has obviously been canceled because we do. uh, We were meeting at the FLGS, so that totally sucks balls. And one of my players, last I knew he flew to Japan and haven't heard anything since, so that could be bad too. But let's go on to brighter and happier things, please. That's what we got to do now, folks. Stay bright, stay happy, have fun. So what's the subject of this episode? Oh, well, it's monsters. Don't let them be boring. All right, let's be honest here. There are a crap ton of bestiaries, monster books, and everything of all sorts of weird beasties. But one thing is... you know, if everything's weird, then nothing's weird. So use those sparingly. So for, for this, I'm talking about your common monsters, your even, even the uncommon ones. So how do we keep monsters from being boring? Well, I got three things. One, tactics. That's right. Make them fight intelligently. And worse yet, a lot, let them retreat Nothing ticks off a party or makes them interested in a monster than the monster that run away that runs away. It doesn't matter if it's a kobold or in one case in one of the games, a dragon. They got they took it personal. It got away and it's gonna come back. Probably it will with friends, or well, buffed a little bit better according to what it knows about the player characters. So that's one way to make it interesting. And the fight makes it interesting if you use tactics. Another is personality. You know, a monster doesn't have to be a stat block. You don't have to come up with a whole backstory for every random orc. Just the one that gets interesting. The dice will let you know when that character is interesting. Um, this will... I'll go back to a story of when playing World of Darkness. It was an intro adventure. There was an NPC that was supposed to die to the horrible Psycho Slasher in the beginning adventure. That NPC survived unscathed. That NPC survived the entire campaign mostly unscathed. But just by the luck of the dice, that NPC became important. You can do the same thing with the monsters. The monster that gets away. The monster that rolls the crit. The monster that, oh, just happens to have that opportunity when you're using tactics to do something really interesting. Now, without saying that, you can also rely on game mechanics a little bit. Because not every orc has to have the same armor class, hit points, and weapons. So maybe orc chieftain or tribe has a little bit better weapons, or a little bit better armor, or a little bit chance, better chance to hit, or something weird that's going to like just like, I don't want to say weird, but a little tweak that's going to make the, the uh, player character stand up and take notice. Ah, silly audacity lag there, sorry. Um, what else makes monsters interesting? Not only is it tactics or personal and personality, which are my first two, the other one is location. Just like real estate, location, location, location. If the monster is in a weird location, if they have the neat lair. I'm going to go back to the Labyrinth Lord game. I have a, a magic item, which I call the bag of too many things. 
which is a sort of like a bag of holding, but it only holds 20 things. And there are several of these bags in the universe, but they all say, share the same extra dimensional space. So in order for you to put in an item, you have to take out an item, and it's a random item. So a lot of times people get sticks, twigs, whatever. People just throw junk in there to pull, hopefully pull something good out. Well, they pulled out this gnarled, dried-up, large, clawed hand in the middle of the village. It's like, okay. Actually, it was keep on the borderlands, so they were in the middle of the keep, if that tells you. They're like, what's this thing? I don't know. Let's throw it away. Let's go to the inn. So they go to the inn. They go to the tavern. They're, they're drinking. Uh, a little bit later, they hear screams outside. How did a troll get inside the keep? So, yes, it was a troll hand, and it grew back, and it was a fun fight. But what made it fun was the location. You can do the same thing. You know, you know, big bads have like their layers. That's cool. But if you have a layer that is sort of surprising, like you expect a red dragon to perhaps be near a volcano because they're all fiery and stuff. But I'm in a nice place. You know, dragon's got a amulet of cold resistance to really F the players. Just make their location and their layers just as interesting, or even the terrain interesting. Have weird stuff going on with the terrain, or some challenge for the terrain to make, well, it's part of the encounter, but it also makes the monster itself more interesting. Now, what's my other way of making monsters interesting? The other way to make them interesting is make them not want to kill the party. It doesn't mean they want to be nice to them, but just because they're doing something else besides killing them, maybe trying to use them, manipulate them, barter with them, or who knows what they want, depends on the monster in the situation, but have them do something besides want to kill and eat the player characters. Even though a lot of times I think the player characters, I'm just going to kill it, especially when it's a monster that's way above their pay grade. Once again, I will go to the uh, previous campaign of the paladin of in the magic shop, who's like, I detect evil! Yes, you detect evil. Must be the shopkeeper because it's the only other person in there other than the party. He's evil. We're not shopping here anymore. And I was just waiting for him to like go attack the evil shopkeeper. Yeah, third level party is not going to do well against a Rexasha. He was a Rexasha. I was having fun. I think it was kind of fun. I like that NPC. He's going to come back too in other campaigns because it was fun. Sahib. Sahib the Rakshasa, the shopkeeper. He Anyway, what else have we got going on here? But that's what I wanted to talk about is uh, monsters. Don't go by what's always in the monster manual. Don't use them as a set of stats. I mean, yes, sometimes you can, sometimes you do, sometimes you should. But if there's a creative inspiration there for you to throw something interesting in there, take advantage of it. That goes for treasure and everything else, too. You know, don't go so much with your well-laid-out plans. Some of the best adventures and sessions always are based on the improv of both the players and the gum, the gum master, the game master. Because, you know what, it's the improv that makes the good stories. It does. It's my, it's my opinion to deal with it. All right, you know, I didn't do a, po- a podcast last week. I've been doing some bonus episodes, and I'm going to... They've been on, on Anchor, and they're going out subscribers going to post those on the blog, just like I post this episodes on the blog. But that means I didn't do any reading from the Tomes of Ancient Wizard, Wisdom. Well, Tomes of Ancient Forbidden Knowledge, because I just wasn't feeling up with it that first week. But this week, I'm feeling up to it, and I'm feeling that we need 
to go on because we are on the infamous supplement three, Eldritch Wizardry. So this week we're only going over druids because when I hit the psionic stuff, I could do that for a whole freaking episode, which I might do for my next episode because right now I'm not feeling that creative. Sorry, folks. But I'm going to do my best because druids... Now, you have to remember one thing. Druids are now a class thanks to El Supplement 3, but before they were monsters. And they sort of before were kind of like just a cleric but neutral. But now they're their own class. So druids are a subclass of clerics still. They're still using subclass. They're neutral. As mentioned in Greyhawk, <clears throat> they are more closely tuned to nature, serving as its priests rather than serving some other deity. Mistletoe takes a place of importance with them as a holy symbol or item as crosses and other like items do with other clerics. So it's their holy symbol. Druids have spells which are generally peculiar to them. Basically, they're specific to them although some of their spells are similar to those of magic users and clerics in general. Fire, natural forces, and living things tend to be their forte in this regard. Druids are not involved with humans as helping them as they are protecting plants and animals. They cannot turn undead. But once a druid becomes an initiate, he has the following initiate powers. Identify pure water, identify plants, identify animals. Plus, plus pass through overgrowth, you know, like briars and tangles and shit like that. Upon reaching the fifth circle, druids then gain the power to shape change, as briefly mentioned in Greyhawk, with regards to the druid-type monster. And when changing from one form to another, they lose from 10 to 60% of any damage previously sustained. So they don't, they, they lose damage, so they, they heal. It's kind of a weird way to, it's a hard math way to do it, but it'd be easier to do it with the uh, there's lots of percentiles, which I'm sure is handy, but, you know, I don't think back then they had pocket calculators or smartphones, so uh, it'd be a pain in the butt to do that. So I just like do a roll. Um, let's see. Uh, what else? In addition, they are not affected by charm spells of woodland and water creatures such as nixies and dryads. They have their own special language. In addition, they also speak common with each level gained above third circle, a druid can learn one more additional language. Pixie, Nixie, Dryad, Elvish, Treant, Hill Giant, Centaur, Manticora, and Green Dragon. I did not know that Manticores had their own language, but apparently they do. Ahem. Druids are able to use the following weapons. Weapons, daggers, sickles, or crescent-shaped swords, which spears, slings, and oil. They may wear leather and use wooden shields and may not use metallic armor. Druids may use those magic items not otherwise prescribed as them which are usable by all class. What? Druids may only use those magic items not otherwise prescribed to them which are usable by all classes and all those items normally usable by clerics, excluding all clerical items are written. So they can use anything for all classes, things that says druids, and all cleric stuff except spells because they use different spells. Fighting and saving throws treat druids as clerics, except with regard to fire, saving throw is always plus two in the druid's favor. Druids have an obligation to protect the woodland animals and plants, especially trees, unlike obligations of lawful good types towards others. This sort, the tendency of druids will be to punish those who destroy their charges rather than risk their own lives to actually save the threatened animal or plant. So you can burn down the forest. The druid's not going to risk his neck saving the forest. He's just going to go out and avenge it. Um, druids will not slay an animal if it can be avoided, and they can never willingly or deliberately destroy a cop's 
woods, or forest, no matter how enchanted or evil it may be, although there may be attempt to modify such a place with their magics. Monks and druids do not have psychic potential, so we're not going to talk about psionics for them, but we're going to keep talking about druids, because, like everything, they throw stuff in weird places. Alignments are neutral. Okay. Uh, where are we going? Clerics. Wisdom 12 or greater, and charisma 14 or greater. Male so basically you need a wisdom of twelve and a fourteen charisma to be a druid. Okay, we got here we go. Then we have to like skip a couple pages to actually find out more about druids. Okay, so a little lag there, sorry. I don't audacity in my whole computer is acting freaking weird. Okay, so let's talk about druids. They got two thousand XP per level basically. They're eh, a moderate level. Okay, um, and they go over and they talk about the whole explanation of druids again, even though it's like two pages later. Uh, maximum of four tenth level druids, two arch druids, and only one great druid. Sort of like the monks who had to fight their way up the chain. At such time as a player character attains experience points sufficient to advance to a level of druid or higher, he does not attain the level in question or until he defeats in spell combat a druid at the level he wishes to attain. As with monks, the loser of the combat drops an experience point, which kind of sucks. Okay, there is no level above 13th or great druid. What, druid? Well, we the druids. Love. Love. Sorry, I, I went on these diatribes. I'm trying to make y'all laugh out there. All right, druids. Um, Let's see. Hit dice. Okay, so let's see. They still have the one... One spell... Progression... Ba 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 ba. Um, okay, we have to find out where their spells are. So now I have to go up a few more pages and find the spells. Okay, spells, 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 spells. Because we have to go all the psychic stuff, or psionic stuff, I'm sorry. Oh, here we go, here we go. Explanation of spells. So, in other words, we have to go back all the way up to page 22, skipping like, oh, 17 pages, to find out the spell additions for, um, Druids. So, all right. Special note: mistletoe, mistletoe, mistletoe is their holy symbol. Blah blah blah. Um, let's see. First level: predict weather. I think that's pretty self-explanatory. Um, local weather: two square miles times the level of the druid, which is not that big an area, and 95% actually for 12 hours, which, you know, if you live in Texas, that can be like four or five things can happen. You can freeze, rain, and get hot again. Locate animals, you find animals. Detect snares and traps. Uh, the cleric spell, uh, but used only outdoors. Detect magic, pretty much the same. Purify water. It's like purify food water, but it just does water. Fairy fire, here we go. The first one that's actually there, which is, actually comes out to be a pretty cool spell. Um, basically, you make them glow. This causes no damage. Shows only the outlines of the object. Area coverage is 10 square feet plus the level of the druid. Duration, 6 turns. An hour. No save, no nothing. Just makes them glow. Let's see. Second level, produce flame. Um, basically, you make a flame. Although it will not harm him, it will ignite combustible material. So you make a torch. Um, find plants, or I'm sorry, locate plants. Who cares? Speak with animals. Yay. Cure light wounds. Yay. 
Obscurement with a spell employed, the druid causes a misty cloud of vapor to form around him. Just aim for the cloud. 100 cubic feet times the level of the druid. Great water, heat metal, another favorite one of druids. Let's see what the original version of the spell was like. Spells which enables the druid to cause metal objects of ferrous nature to become aggressively warm, hot, then searing hot. The amount of metal which can be affected by the spell is a function of the level of the druid using it. For each level he has attained, the druid can affect up to 200 gold pieces in weight of ferrous metal. And this is a second level spell, so it'll be a third level red. Um, flesh in contact with a metal. Heated by this suffers burns and is accordingly damaged. Fire resistant negates this effect. Metal stays at the searing temperature for two turns. Which is a long effing time. The first will be... Alright, so... <clears throat> metal. For two turns, the first of which will blister a hand and make it unusable for one day, causing one to two points of damage. To other body parts, except the head, which will take one point of damage and cause the person to become dizzy. The second of which will cause the, a hand, still in contact with the metal, become severely burned and unusable for one to three weeks, causing two to three points of damage for body contact with the metal and inflict an additional two points of damage to a head in contact with the heated metal as well as causing the creature affected to become unconscious for two to eight turns. Range, three inches. So it only lasts two turns. Remember, two turns, that's 20 minutes. But it's not that damaging, but it's a real screw-you spell because you're going to be messed up for, like, weeks later. So warp a wood. I got warped wood. Yeah. I'll take it for... for anybody, I'll trade warped wood for warped sheep. Uh, by use of the spell, the druid causes straight shafts to become... Bent. And the amount of wood, so you can do um, note that the planks of a boat or even a ship could be affected by the spell. So, and it's permanent, and I've seen it used to, to great effect to like open doors. So, yeah. Pyrotechnics, maybe, protection from fire, maybe, the druid's big cannon spell, call lightning. Alright, so call lightning. Okay, so you need stormy weather outside. Okay. The druid is able to call down a lightning bolt of eight dice plus their level. This is the third level spell, so that's going to be eight plus five, 13 dice of damage. Range 36, 36 feet. 36 inches, I'm sorry. Blech. It's like it's inches, feet. What's the difference? Okay, hold animal, plant growth, water breathing. Produce flame, produces common fire of the maximum effect, 10 square feet. So yeah, you protection from lightning, speak with plants, uh, plant door, you teleport, control temperature, cure serious, animals have hallucinatory forest, uh, cause the creature other than the druid or a magical forest creature or an ant to absolutely believe it is actually there and act accordingly. It can be dispelled by dispel magic spell or a reverse of the druid spell which brought it into being so yeah dispel magic wall of fire control winds pass plant home plant commune with nature i mean a lot of these spells in a way a lot of these are kind of dead are kind of like me but let's go to some interesting ones here okay let's go let's go let's go let's go pass plants if you eat enough fiber you will be passing plants 
Um, yeah, it's teleport between trees. Hold plants, which is, sounds like a stupid spell until you run across plant monsters. But here's one. Turn wood. When this spell is cast, a wall of force becomes forth from the druid, and any wooden objects in its path, objects such as spear shafts, weapon halves, bows, arrows, quarrels, shields of wood, etc., are pushed back. Any creature holding onto such items will either be dragged back also, or the wood will splinter and the pieces go back. The breadth of the wall of wood turning is six inches to either side of the druid. The force moves away from the druid at four inches per turn, range of two inches times the level of the druid. Duration one turn plus the level of the druid. Note, the druid need not control the spell once it has been sent into motion. So not only it pushes you back, but it continually pushes you further and further and further back until you're maybe getting crushed against a dungeon wall. Who knows? Uh, what do we got next? Any more? Any more? Let's see. Firestorm. That sounds interesting. Um... Wall of Fire, uh, control weather, animate rock, sort of like animate any object for the cleric, it's just you do it with rocks. And Reincarnation, remember Reincarnation is not originally a druid spell, but a magic user spell, but it's, well, it's similar to the spell of the name used by magic user, but with a bias towards animals. So reincarnate me! I'm a turtle. Creeping doom. What is Creeping Doom? A spell which calls upon a horde of small and deadly insects. They appear within one to three turns from being called. From 100 to 1,000 come the mass of small creatures, then move toward and attack whatever they commanded to, provided it is within six inches at the time they are instructed. They pursue until their prey is beyond 24 inches, or until it or they are otherwise destroyed. Note this spell is employable in non this spell is employable in non-outdoor situations as well as outdoors. That's one way to clear a room. All right, that kind of—that's a seventh-level spell. But that's kind of the druid spells, and I know I kind of rambled through this, but it wasn't that exciting. I mean, I, okay, my, my two least favorite classes always in D&D have been the monk and the druid, which is okay. I know a lot of people don't like bards. I love bards, but monks and druids just—they never struck my shine. So you know. I think that's enough rambling on for today, and I, like I said, I guess I meant next episodes, I'm going to ramble. The entire episode is me going to be rambling on about the original psionics, or psychic abilities, because that's, that's, that's the big thing we got added into the supplement. So, with that, folks, I have rambled on long enough. I want to tell you, roll dice, kill monsters, take their stuff, have fun, especially now, have fun, stay safe out there. Thank you for listening.